KHEN is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, Forrest Whitman, your host. And today we're going to continue with an interview. This is uh, Don Shank, who who owns who owns the railroad we're talking about, and uh, Ed Lascala, who is in, in, involved in running um, rail. Well, they're they're like the old kind old time hand cars. Is the best way I can describe them, except you pedal them. And um, instead of steel wheels, of course, they have plastic wheels. And uh, it's just, it's really fun hearing from, from all of them about what's been going on. And we've been answering your listener questions. Yes, we have. As we go along and we, without getting specific about them, we've, we've, we've walked into all of them. And I think we're not, we're not going to have to get too specific because it seems, I think anyway, we're going to get them all answered right here. So let's jump back into it. Uh, our engineer, Rick White, is, he jumps in now and again, too. And um, uh, talk a little bit more about this. Now, if we wanted to convince the uh, Union Pacific Railroad to allow, uh, to allow us to use Tennessee Pass, to allow us to use the area around Salida, to use the area of, oh, I don't know, any 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 of this area through here what 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 would we do how do how would we go about doing something like that do you gentlemen have any speculation on that well i've always had the policy and again this is don shank uh my policy has been it's easier to start at the top and work your way down mm-hmm. so i would uh, my preference in discussing such a proposal is utilizing the tennessee pass line or a portion of it would be simply to go to the top of the company. He's going to refer you down line anyhow, because he's not going to make the ultimate decision. And it's going to go through the legal department. It's going to go through the operating department. It's going to go through the real estate department. And, you know, years ago, they pulled out a couple of rails in various locations just to render the line inoperable. So that what we call bootleggers with motor cars, with speeders, couldn't just get out there and have a field day and, and run for a while yeah, and, and see that beautiful line. So it just didn't work that way. So you couldn't do it. 
But, uh, you know, there's, there's ways to look at this uh, from a different perspective. And we'd certainly like to, uh, to explore this because it is one beautiful stretch of the original Denver and Rio Grande. Yeah. And I'm happy to take that task on. I'm happy to go back and, and talk with the folks at Union Pacific. I had a wonderful relationship with them back when I purchased the Creed branch. And I'll tell you, the UP couldn't have been better uh, in their handling of our foundation and the purchase of the Creed branch. It was just wonderful. And I know so many people in the past have said, well, the UP won't this and won't that, and they did this and they did that. Not the case. I've had nothing but a wonderful experience with them. Very so nice. A, it's another opportunity. Yeah. And what a great way to see it from a rail bike. Yeah, we haven't heard, uh, Forrest, let me chime in. We haven't heard uh, that there was uh, a positive note like that with uh, Union Pacific um, uh, communication. Well, well, yeah, but Rick, part of what you've heard was for me when I was county commissioner, trying to save the the two little the two little wood processing outfits that UP said they won't wouldn't switch anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was a different kind of dispute. Uh, put me as a county commissioner, sort of crosswise, let's just say, with the UP because they uh, they just didn't want to get involved in switching small small lots like that but but that that's very that's very different than what don's talking about don's talking about uh well putting speedsters on uh existing rail and you know it, it's just it's apples and oranges i think don is that what you think too or is it i don't want to go into all of my history there which is which was, and they bought lunch each time we met with them so that's Important to remember too. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Tyler. Well, you know, Forrest, in thinking about trying to get on Tennessee Pass and trying to get permission from Union Pacific, uh, you know, what we're talking about here is is potentially doing a rail bike operation. A rail bike operation is very non-invasive. It does not tax the railroad at all. You know, we're talking about what a couple hundred pounds for the bike itself and maybe 300 pounds to you know 800 pounds of bodies on the bike. Compare that to even a speeder. You know, some of these speeders are, are upwards of five, 6,000 pounds. So yeah. this is very non-taxing, non-invasive to a railroad. We don't get out and travel at speed on these rail bikes. We're taking a leisurely stroll, so to speak, pedaling these bikes through yesteryear and getting out and seeing this gorgeous scenery that otherwise might not be available to look at. And so putting a rail bike on makes perfect sense because the risk of derailment is so minimal with those. Uh, and I would have to think the railroad could embrace this type of operation. But again, it comes down to that L word, liability. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, let me force this is Ed. Um, yeah, Ed, 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 chime in here. You're, you're now, you're doing it. You know how to do it. Well, let me just talk to you about our experience with New Jersey Transit um, and our partners, Cape May Seashore Line, uh, for our Cape May Line. Um, we work together to get New Jersey Transit to sign off on our use. And New Jersey Transit was from the very beginning very, very receptive because these tracks were the, the tracks are in wonderful condition. They've always been in wonderful condition. Um, 
but they weren't used. And they weren't used because there was a swing bridge between the middle of Cape May and um, the canal that, would, that actually makes Cape May an island. So there's the, the Cape May Canal. And there was a swing bridge that used to take the trains over the canal. And then you could go all the way up to Tuckahoe, where Cape May Seashore Lines is headquartered, um, and, and other parts north. But once that swing bridge was shut down, the track wasn't usable other than for excursion trains. Um, so when Cape May Seashore Lines and ourselves went to New Jersey Transit, they saw such a great opportunity for these traps, these tracks to be used. Because as Don says, the footprint is so light. And if anything, the tracks, they encourage people to learn more about the railroad. They, we bring out railroad uh, aficionados. We bring out uh, mechanics. There are folks that just come ride these bikes just because they like the mechanics of the bikes. There's folks that come out because they're birders or they like the ecology of the region. Of the region. But the other thing New Jersey Transit liked was the fact that we're hiring down in Cape May. We, we hire 25 people to work on the operation. So we've helped the economy. In addition, we've done probably, oh, I can't even begin to tell you how. We, we do probably uh, a little over 200 riders a day in Cape May. And Amazing. probably a third of them have never been to Cape May before. But they came to rail bike. Wow. So New Jersey Transit sees the benefit of that. But the other thing, too, they see is they also see the fact that we're not just using the we're using the rails for a lot of other things. For instance, we take out we take many, many uh, participants in Big Brothers um, and Big Sisters, the, the Big Brothers and their little brothers and the Big Sisters and their little sisters. They, we always invite them out on the rails as complimentary riders. We bring out there's an organization in Cape May called Cape May Cares and we bring out the seniors from Cape May all the time, gratis. Um, we also, we work with the New Jersey Audubon Society. We work with the Nature Conservancy, all to build awareness about the beauty of, around the tracks. So all these things that we've gotten across to New Jersey Transit, and they have, they continue to be very receptive and very appreciative of our efforts and, and our working relationship with them in Cape May Seashore Lines is incredible. But I would think that we could replicate those efforts for Union Pacific as well, if we were ever, ever able to get an audience with them. Ah, well, I think we could. And I think, for instance, the, if we got a couple of the mayors, um, certain couple of the, I don't know, tomorrow morning of the County Transportation Board, I'm uh, still vice chair of that thing. Well, what we could do is, as a, as a board, we could ask Union Pacific, hey, can we um, get you to consider this? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or would we have to get a foundation? Now, I don't know. That's, I guess, legally probably what you'd have to do, I suppose. And we have to look into all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And, and the benefits are so numerous. Um, yeah. It, it's really just trickles down right through um, 
plus the memories that we create for people. Is just, it, it, I can't tell you. I'd love you to come out and join us for a ride and see how these folks, uh, the, the grandparents that bring their grandchildren, and the and it, it, I've had I've had engagements on the on the rail bikes. <laughs> oh, you're uh, kidding! You know, boyfriend and girlfriend. We take them out on in Cape. We had several in Cape May. We've had several in North Creek. Um, people love it, and they love it so much. We've even had people who have done all five rides. We've had folks. We have a couple that has come out, and they've done all five of our track locations. When we opened up here in South Fork July 1st, this couple came from the East Coast probably by, I think it was like July 6th, July 7th. They wanted to be here, and they completed all our track locations. So it's a special thing for people. And it and the rails have a magic to them. There's no question about it. Always have. Yeah. Always have. Always have. Always, Always have. have. Absolutely, gentlemen. <laughs> well, all right. Well, we, we're, we're dealing with most of our listener questions. Well, we haven't dealt with one. And I don't, we just say briefly, we do have uh, <clears throat> some Rails to Trails fans. And uh, I would, I wouldn't say I've clashed with them, but um, they they are, well, Bob Evans, one of our faithful listeners, call, he, he, he calls regularly. And um, yeah, they, they feel like that's destiny and that's what we need to, to do. And um, um, what I, 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 it seems to me there ought to be a way to, I don't know what, Sidestep that issue. You know, Forrest, if I might, let me take the lead on this one on rails to trails. Because believe it or not, after we shut down the railroad after back-to-back heart attacks and the retirement and of this and of that and a chest full of stents, my my board and I began to wonder, what are we going to do with the Creed branch? And we were contacted by the counties and the local cities that we serve and they collectively joined forces and wanted to purchase the railroad. And for the, this took three years that we discussed this and, and we're trying to work through to a solution and, and work to a happy ending on this. And they said, well, we wanna keep the railroad intact, but we'd like to put a trail next to it. Well, that would be rails and trails, a unique <laughs> concept. But the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad here on the Creed branch, we have some areas where we have very tight clearance between a rock cliff and a drop off to the river. Uh, and we said, well, how are you gonna do this? How are you gonna put a trailer along with the railroad? It's unsafe. And so for the first two and a half years of all these negotiations, their philosophy was rails and trails. And then they finally fessed up and said, nah, we've decided we wanna tear the tracks out and we're just gonna go rails to trails. That of course is a part of the a U.S. rail banking program where it saves railroad corridors, but it removes the track and converts it into a public trail. And that does, in fact, serve a purpose that is is wonderful for recreational use. Uh, It does keep a former rail line intact so that if the two words that you'll hear in that program, convenience and necessity, dictate the rails going back in, if there's freight present that uh, a, a shipper wants to uh, move on the railroad, well, then it's a matter of putting the tracks back in. 
sad to say that doesn't happen very often. The rails, when they're pulled out and get into the rail banking program, they typically don't come back. But it has happened a few times. But I was really upset by this. Uh, I see the need for that in certain places, but we do want to maintain these rail corridors as railroads. The history, uh, the love of railroading, the beauty that surrounds us and accessing it by rail, by some form of railroad vehicle is paramount. And because we are the Denver and Rio Grande Railway Historical Foundation, we are a nonprofit charitable entity, a 501c3, if you will. Our mission is to preserve and protect as well as operate historic rail lines within Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, where the Denver and Rio Grande traveled. So it's important that people understand the rail banking program or rails to trails does in fact serve a purpose. But so many times we don't wanna see the tracks go away altogether. So we look for a happy balance in that. Yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Forrest, but I no, understand. No, 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 no. Please, please do, because we're trying, we're trying to, we have a, a dedicated core of regular listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear from them regularly. And so it we're we're trying to deal with some of the their regular questions here. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been a rail fan since birth. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was an aeronautical engineer, but his first love was railroads. Wow. And he was one of the most incredible model railroaders on the face of the planet. His works have been written up in numerous books and magazines. Uh, and if he built a model and decided to enter it into competition, it was unbelievable, the response. And he typically was best of show. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd always be first in his category and more times than not best of show. And I spent my childhood walking old railroad grades and riding railroad trains. And thankfully, my grandmother took me all over the United States and Canada by rail, riding the name passenger trains before Amtrak took over in the 70s. So that was a blessing. That was a real joy. Sure. And so enjoyable. And I know, Forrest, I know your listeners sympathize with me when I say the real beauty and lore of railroads is the history. Yes. And oh, we yes. do our best to keep that history alive. Yeah. You're sitting there in the caboose. Rich is up there on the head end of the locomotive. <laughs> and we're sitting here in a magnificent private car. It doesn't get a whole lot better than this. We're looking at yeah. it. You're, in a, the you're, Grand you're in a real private car, not the more or less imaginary one that this show lives in. Yeah, We're in the real McCoy right here. And what's beautiful, the wheels under this car are the originals that the car was built with. They're paper oh. wheels, gentlemen. I'll be darned. Are you familiar with those, Forrest? Not, Not that familiar, but go you say a little more about them. A yeah. paper wheel, which everybody goes, how can they be paper? Well, folks, the way that these wheels were built is it was a steel tire that rolled on the rail, and yep. it was a steel hub that went over the axle. And those two uh, components had a flange that pointed inward towards the center of the wheel. And then there was 145 layers of paper that were compressed with resin added to it, and then two steel plates on the inside and the outside, and it all bolted together and formed a railroad wheel. And the beauty of this wheel and the logic behind it was it insulated the rail car from track noise 
It made them ride quieter. The only problem with it, there was two things you couldn't do. You could not run them at speed because if they got hot, they could catch fire. Right. And you don't park them in water because they will absorb water and those wheels will swell and then they are useless. Yeah. And, but they were used on, uh, in the, well. In, yeah, they were used in the, in the private cars and the first class cars. Uh, Very you know, much Durango, first class cars, yeah. Yes, Durango and Silverton, when the uh, when old Charlie Bradshaw bought the line back in 1981 from the Denver and Rio Grande Western, the three private cars over there, the three business cars, they still all had their paper wheels under them. Mm, yeah, isn't course, that amazing? FRA, Federal Railroad Administration, will not allow you to run them anymore. They've been outlawed. Mm, yeah. Right. We never had them, and any any of the cabooses that I spent my young life in, we didn't have any paper wheels. Let me tell no, you, that we right wouldn't now. have found them under paper under cabooses <laughs> or, or freight cars or yeah. even your standard well, we passenger had, cars. Well, we had some pretty nice cabooses, but anyway, well, not pretty nice, but not bad when you're spending half your life in them, uh, which we did. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Um, well, okay, so we're 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 centering in on these. Now, we, we also had a couple of pragmatic uh, listener questions, namely, is there some foundation who would take us on? And I don't know. Do you know? Having taking, taking us on, that means, well. That means adopting your philosophy and presenting it to the Union Pacific. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're probably talking to them. I think I might be a likely candidate for that one, Forrest. Uh-huh. All right. So we need to have you come here and talk to our city council. Okay. And I, you know, I came there before uh, and met with you folks. Uh, and that was when, yeah, there was a proposal for an excursion operation that would leave from Parkdale and come up through Salida and Browns Canyon years ago. And I met with that group a couple of different times. Yep. And the first question that I posed to them, which I hated to do, but I, I did, was have you spoken with the Union Pacific? Yeah. Uh-huh. And their answer was, well, no, no. All these commitments for this, that, and the other. And I said, gentlemen, you're spinning your wheels until you get a commitment from corporate UP. Yep. And unfortunately, no. it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But that group was very optimistic. The, um, they were. I hate to say this. I, I don't think anybody in that group is still alive. Holy Toledo. That, I tell you, Rick, that makes me feel old just saying that. But, uh, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Forrest, you're not old. You're just full of age. Uh, well, yeah, I'm <laughs> full of age and, and actually still pretty vigorous. But anyway, um, you'll find out when Rick and I come down to pedal that bike. We're, tonight is a, a meeting of our rail travelers group. So Rick and I are going to see if there's any, any vigor in there. That might want to come down. It's yeah. not that far to South Fork. You can drive there in what hour and a half, two hours. Hour and a half. Correct. Yeah, we've been we've been getting folks from Durango. We've been getting folks from Denver. It's amazing how far people will ride will will drive to come and and get on the rails for an hour and a half yeah. trip. Yeah. So, and one of the things that I just wanted to to leave you folks with is we're always looking to add new rail locations. And while we really like Colorado, we're, we would go far and wide if there's scenic track, 
uh, track that is of the right grade, track that has very few uh, road crossings. Those are, the, those are some of the parameters that we look at. But if anybody, any of the listeners have a track, please, you can find us on info at revrail.com. Um, That's our website address. And I would love to have Rob, Rob Hart, who is our partner in charge of expansion, um, reach out and, and talk to folks. So if anybody has some track that they think oh. might fit the bill for rail biking, please reach out to us at info at revrail.com. And we mentioned, well, I was going to say, Rick and I both mentioned to uh, uh, the Solviev family that, that since they like buying railroads, why not use this one in off times? But, um, well, anyway, the, the one they now own in eastern Colorado is unfortunately pretty much flat. It goes from Pueblo to Towner, if you can picture that. I don't see that as very scenic, but some people would. I don't know. What What do you guys think? Well, you know, the state of Colorado stepped in and purchased the Towner line years ago to save it from extinction, save it from abandonment. Yeah. And, you know, very happy that they did. We love to see these lines preserved, but there were also shippers out there that came forward. And so it makes a lot of sense. And Tennessee Pass would be an excellent addition uh, to this gentleman's uh, accumulation of railroads. Uh, it, it's, oh, yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah, we all well, want to look into this. Yeah, really, because um, as I say, I, I got such a kick out of, out of the fact that the, the Surface Transportation Board, which, um, well, I don't know. They're not noted for uh, wanting the to post their mandate on the wall, let's say. But their <laughs> mandate is is uh, is to provide service, to really talk to the railroads about, uh, that's how they got started, about providing some some service. Hey, so Warren, uh, I need to break in here. We've got a yes, few minutes left. And uh, yeah. Ed, we were talking before we were recording, um, he was gonna share with us a little bit about how much these trips down at South Fork uh, costs for the people. And, and the, the, the specifics, right. Yeah, let's do some specifics. Oh, that's great. So as I mentioned before, we currently offer two style rail bikes. Um, currently we have a two seater and, and we have a four seater. The two seaters are $80 in total and the four seaters are $140 in total. So it ranges anywhere between $35 a person to $40 a person, but we sell them by the bike. So if you have three passengers, you would need a four seater bike. Um, and, and as I mentioned, um, on the break, we encourage people to go to our website, revrail.com and make reservations because as, as we become more popular, some of these trips book up weeks in advance sure. in, right now in, in North Creek and in Cape May um, and even our location in Hadley Lake Luzerne, we're booked out into October. So we have, oh, we, have we do have space here um, and we welcome walk-ins here as well. But it's always a best the, to get the best time of the day or your preferred time of the day. Um, it's it's a good idea to make reservations in advance. 
We currently in South Fork, we currently run at 10 a.m. in the morning, 12 noon, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. So hopefully next year we'll add other trips as well. Very good. Hey, um, Ed, in closing and Don in closing also, why don't you just give us a little uh, uh, however you want to do it. It's our pleasure to be on the radio with you today. It's fun to share uh, our love of railroading. Our, uh, our business philosophy all along has been to preserve, protect, operate, but also enjoy and to educate to enlighten the American public to what it took to open up the West. These railroads were built by men that had a phenomenal philosophy. And what they accomplished was nothing short of miraculous. Uh, you know, you look at the Durango and Silverton Railroad with the, that line perched 400 feet above the river on a little notch on the side of a mountainside. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Think of the engineering. Think of the labor that it took to build that. And it's still here. Here, the Creed Branch. Uh, it's just amazing what they accomplished with hand tools. We weren't mechanized in 1883. This was all done by hand. Yeah. And it is so impressive. And to see so many of these things out there, the remnants of a bygone age, it's really a pleasure to bring it to the, to the American public. And I certainly thank you for the opportunity to be on your show, gentlemen. And now I'll turn it over to Ed. Well, and we thank you too. Yeah, yeah, Don. Well, for I, sure. I would, I would echo Don's sentiments as well. We always try to inspire our riders, educate our riders, and get our riders to move. We we love to do that. We like to say we turn miles into smiles. And, <laughs> and when you and when you see how happy this makes folks. And in particular, the historical aspects of it. The, the, the happiest I am is when we, we go out on a trip and we talk about the history of the tracks and then somebody will come up to us and say, you know, my kid finally put his phone down and listened. To me, uh-huh. that's a win, right? That's uh-huh. a win. Yeah, that's Very a good. huge win these days. Yes, sir. The engineer is telling us that it's time for us to quit yakking back here in the caboose and say and sign off from another another fascinating seg- section of, of here on the rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman. We are signing off. And the way we do that in the few seconds we have is we lift up our arms, we get ready to give a highball, we count down to three, and we all give a good one. One, two, three. Highball! 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 highball. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.